Welcome everybody. Buddha saw this world as a house of a delusion. We are part of this uh, house, the house of uh, delusion. Wherein we are lost and confused and very much uh, sick with uh, illness. Not physical illness, but uh, psychological illness which is the basic insanity. Human beings are sick with the basic insanity. And not only we destroy our own peace out of that basic insanity, but we inflict unnecessary pain on others, our human brothers and sisters. And this has been going for a very long time, not only this century, not only last century, but perhaps from dawn of human civilization. And few people, those intelligent ones and courageous ones, were able to break that curse. So they become free, they become awakened, such as Buddha Shakyamuni, and many other spiritual lights. So we cannot uh, wait for the humanity to wake up. 
humanity may not wake up for a very long time. Actually, very renowned spiritual teacher said, do not expect that society is going to be enlightened. Society is never going to be enlightened. So all you can do is enlighten yourself. So this is what we are doing right now. We are on the path, path of enlightenment. Our sole passion is to enlighten ourselves so we may become a light and blessings to others or we may be able to help this world or touch the hearts of our brothers and sisters. Have you ever have this uh, experience while you are walking into a beautiful environment like the forest of redwoods? You look around, there's only a magic. There's only enchantment. The deers dance in front of you. The creek is singing song. But out of nowhere, a war begins. Not external war, but a psychological war. There's a war, there's a conflict, there's a contraction we feel. Before we know, we are completely lost in that mental war. We are lost, we are bring back the old memory, memory of the past, pain, the wound that have occurred in our life, as well as also we are anticipating the future with dreadful imaginations. So our mind is completely grabbed by a force of a contraction, pain, and agony in that very moment. So there's only a pain sometimes, agony. And while we are walking in this very enchanting field, this tells, and there is a basic insanity in all of us. And this is what Buddha called samsara, means the vicious circle. It is a will of delusion as well as agni. And that keeps spinning and spinning, no matter wherever we are, whatever we are doing. So in that sense, the samsara, the human struggle that we will all go through, is not actually product of any particular outer circumstances, like illness or loss or separation. Instead, it is state of consciousness. It is an unlightened state of consciousness. Of course, the word samsara is very heavy. So heavy that many people used to believe that the samsara is evil. Not only that, many people used to believe that samsara is evil existence and life is samsara, so life is bad and evil. So many people actually end rejecting the life the human life, and went into mountains and jungles and to look for a spiritual salvation, notions of mukya, under this uh, fallacy that uh, 
spirituality or truth is being separate from life itself. So you see, the samsara is very heavy word sometimes. So in the process of uh, trying to escape from samsara, sometimes we reject life. We reject the beauty, the delight of life. Life is truly delightful, no matter what you have, who you are. Uh, two years ago, I was a leader in a week-long retreat at a Christian camp. During one of the break, this young man offered me snowmobile ride. And he was a Christian, and he said, he said, would you like to ride a snowmobile? First I had a little bit of thought, I should not ride a snowmobile, because this is not spiritual. <laughs> I am spiritual, and especially I am spiritual for the next few days. Not only that, I am trying to set myself free from the chain of samsara, and riding snowmobile is a samsara. <laughs> so I should not allow myself to enjoy the poisonous delight that samsara offers. <laughs> all pleasure, all delight is poisonous. <laughs> but finally I agreed with his offer. <laughs> so we together rode a snowmobile a Christian and a Buddhist rode a snowmobile together. Maybe not the first time in human history, <laughs> but quite a rare instance. And I had so much fun. So much fun that I didn't have any thoughts. There's no wisdom anymore in my consciousness. No, there is also insanity. My mind becomes free from all thought, good thought, bad thought, virtuous thought, non-virtuous thought. There's no more thought. There's only this uh, spontaneous oneness with everything. Every snowflake, every wonder of the nature. And then finally, we got off the snowmobile. Of course, uh, we were very sensitive towards each other about our faith and our religious practice, but he couldn't uh, control himself from saying something Christian and said, Lord, give us so much. So for him, the snowmobile was given by Lord. It is a blessing for him. It was a blessing, it was a delight of life, and he didn't have any guilt to enjoy the delight of life. For me, that was very enlightening, including riding snowmobile and, and to hear his perspective, his perspective on life, just like that. So this notion of samsara become very heavy concepts, and therefore, in my lineage, some of the ancient masters actually use a word that is less condemning, less heavy. And they used to call samsara as the 
not of the mind. In Tibetan, it is called Sem Jin Dupa. Sem means mind, Dupa means not, the not of mind, which gives us this uh, sense that after all, there's no samsara that we can fight against. We cannot run away from samsara, but there's no samsara anymore. There's no samsara which is supposed to be this evil empire. And that we have to fight against. And by using all the spiritual strategies and sending the holy bulldozer <laughs> to, to destroy the wall, the fortress of the samsara. So samsara really doesn't exist at all as an evil empire. Even though today, even today in the East as well as in the West, many people are very much under this uh, deadly mistaken perception of life, thinking that life is samsara, life is to be rejected. So they find this uh, almost incompatibility between the true spirituality and life. Many feel that they have to reject life in order to transcend the human struggle, which is not the case. Where we are going to find a spirituality is not outside of life, but actually inside life, which is beautifully expressed with a Buddhist metaphor that lotus blossoms in the mud. Yes, life is messy sometimes, not always uh, uh, hunky-dory like being on the road to Damascus. It's very messy sometimes, full of pain, struggle, sorrow, loneliness, confusion, and uh, life comes with so much uh, sometimes pain. The world has so much pain. And to truly embrace life, you also have to embrace the shortcomings of life itself. Life is like a flower. It's truly exquisite, but it has its own also faults and shortcomings too. Just like this beautiful building. It's truly beautiful, but if you keep looking around, I'm sure there are some cracks somewhere. <laughs> and something to be fixed. <laughs> but you must love this building. In the same way, you must love everything even though everything has its own shortcomings and imperfection, So life is like a beautiful flower. Life is like a beautiful burden, and that has its own problems. Life is a problem, is the imperfections, the misadventures that we undertake without choice. Do we have choice not to take misadventures? We have no choice. Every human being will actually take misadventure. Sometimes, of course, we have an idea, this very noble idea, what sort of life we want to have and what kind of noble path that we want to lead, but life is not like that. We have a little control over life. Life is a long journey, has both glory, triumph, and trials and misadventures. So this is the part of life. So do not be afraid of imperfections of life. Do not call it samsara. Instead, love the imperfection of life as you love the perfection of life.
I used to jog that. This Buddhist notion. You know, Buddhist has its own ideas. Some of them are a little bit weird. Of course, Hindus have a weird notion too, like <laughs> avatar. And Buddhism has uh, its own avatar called Nirmanaka. The idea is that somebody is born as just pure being, flawless being, and whose mission is to purify the humanity. Is there any newborn child who doesn't use diaper? No, everybody needs a diaper. <laughs> Life is already imperfect <laughs> the moment you're born. <laughs> Do not expect there's a perfection, utter perfection life. <laughs> I used to joke, there's no newborn child who doesn't use any diapers, who doesn't cry, who doesn't get sick. Have you ever run into any child who is so enlightened the moment he's born, say, serve me, change my diaper, because you have so much sins. If you serve me, you'll purify all your sins. Have you ever run into such a child, like Jesus' child, the Buddha child? Serve me as the way Madeline served Jesus, or Ananda served Buddha. No, not at all. So life begins from the very beginning, both this uh, unity of perfection and imperfection. Then we grow and we experience many misadventures. We suffer, we agonize, we get lost, we get confused, and then we wake up, we discover clarity. We also experience the most divine dimension of ourselves, love, compassion, and bliss as well. So the samsara is very simple in the end. It's only not of a mind. That makes everything very simple. Not of mind. That's all there is. So sooner or later we must give every idea, every this uh, laborious idea, this thing, oh, I have to set myself free. Do you have this uh, spiritual panic? I have to set myself free, I have to set, set myself free. Actually, I learned from my own experience, I was more enlightened before I went to monastery. <laughs> <laughs> I went to monastery and lived there for years and years when I was in Tibet, because when I was young, before I went to monastery, I didn't have this problem. I didn't have this problem that I have to set myself free. I never thought that I should set myself free. So in some sense I was free because I didn't have this problem. All my worry is what I'm going to get, toys, we didn't have lots of toys, what I'm going to eat, do I have enough time tomorrow to play? That is the only worry, but there's no more, there wasn't any worry, or oh, I should set myself free. Then I went to monastery, I learned uh, new concepts a new belief, a new agony. I should set myself free. <laughs> was this ongoing spiritual labor, I should set myself free. As if I were not free. I'm already free, you're already free, all along. 
We are already free from the very beginning. And this is a, such a torturing deception of the ego. This whole non-stop, relentless spiritual labor. This form of pain, I have to set myself free. Have you ever have this uh, pain, this uh, spiritual labor inside you, I should set myself free? So if you have this problem, then I will tell you, you're already free. And then if you're already free, what would you do? Your ego would be terribly bored. (laughs) So bored that it will die into love. (laughs) And then what remains is the love of life. That's all will remain, literally. So this struggle I should set free, I should set myself free, keeps ego very busy and employed. Employed, divinely employed. And then we can pray to some higher beings to set us free, or we can take refuge in some kind of external authority to set us free, or we can jump in the river in Ganges three times a day. And all these amazingly self-torturing techniques. Yes, there's so many self-torturing techniques invented by humanity, not by gods or by devas, but humanity. Right? Humanity is so good at inventing uh, self-torturing methods. That's why, remember, Kabir, the great mystic, says in one of his poems, he was so aware of the futility of those self-torturing methods in the name of spirituality. I don't recall his poem words by words, but this is what it means. Similar to what I will recite. If you have a chance, please read his poem. Kabir's poem, he said, uh, he was actually uh, teasing those uh, spiritual fanatics and ascetics at that time, and who never shaved their beard, uh, never cut their hair, they become renunciate to go into the caves, and they learned all these uh, techniques, those mind-blowing techniques like various forms of exercise. So he said in one of his poems, remember, you left the world, went into the jungles, and you let your hair and beard grow, matted, and then you learned all these tricks. You are able to bring your right leg behind your neck, (laughs) all these impressive yogic techniques, but the problem now, nobody knows whether you're goat or ghost. Now nobody knows whether you are ghost or goat, <laughs> because your hairs grew matted, your beard grew matted. What he's trying to say is that this labor, this trying to set ourselves free, is totally the work of the ego, the game of the ego. You are already free. We are already free the moment you are born. So all we need is not to set ourselves free. Please never try to set yourself free. Because if you try to set yourself free, you'll be struggling the rest of your life. Trying to set yourself free, and without really knowing from what you have to be free. 
Well, you can say, I have to set myself free from samsara. But what is samsara? Can you find the samsara? Can you show me samsara right now? Can you look around? Can you search for the samsara? Can you bring the samsara to me? Say, oh, this is a samsara that I want to transcend. Can you find samsara anywhere? As uh, Buddha said, there's no samsara. There's no world of suffering anywhere. This is what Buddha says. Samsara doesn't exist. Look for the samsara. Look for the samsara in life itself, in trees, into sky. When you have time, you might like to walk into forest and look for the samsara. Look for the samsara in the trees, in the rocks, in stones. And look for samsara in northern light. Look samsara in your breath. You'll not find even one spectrum of samsara in your breath. The breath is just pure breath. And look for samsara in the smile of a child. Can you find samsara? There's no samsara. You cannot find samsara anywhere. It only exists as some kind of mental construct. It's a mental chain. It doesn't exist anywhere. So give up every effort trying to purify yourself or trying to set yourself free. What is there to be done is simply undoing the knot of mind. That's all there is. There's only knot of mind. There's no more samsara. There's no more evil empire. How liberating this news is after all. There's only knot of mind inside you. And this is not my revelation. This is actually taught by all the ancient Buddhist masters, especially in my tradition. And this is actually my favorite expression in the Buddhist teachings, that samsara being described as simply not of mind. Yes, there is not of mind when we turn our intention inward, not of delusion, hatred, anger, jealous, and pride. So there is not. And yet, that not is not eternal. That mental not is actually transient. It's impermanent. So this not or mind can be undue even right now. In the Buddhism, the practice of a meditation, sadhana, is not so much ways to set yourself free from the samsara, but it's a beautiful, both mystical as well as also logical process of undoing not of mind. That's it. And sometimes the not of mind undoes in the moment that we are not preparing, one of the greatest uh, Mahasiddha in the Buddhist tradition is Talopa. And Talopa gave his secret to his heart disciple, Naropa, as the method of instant liberation. Method of instant liberation. How amazing this idea is method of instant liberation. Please don't mistake with instant coffee. (laughs) 
In the West, only instant coffee is well known, not instant liberation. <laughs> but in the East, instant liberation was known for centuries, and instant coffee was not known. <laughs> of course, this is a joke. <laughs> And he gave his beautiful doha, songs of realization. One of them is called uh, the Mahamutanganji. And that he said, when thought arises, simply look forth the origin of your thoughts. And then you will not find anything to hold on to except the groundless ground of yourself, which is the luminous awareness the Dharmakaya, the Anvan Buddha within which is your original face. How simple it is. All he said as a secret, his heart secret, as a method of instant liberation, is that all you need is actually, if you simply inquire and look for the origin of thought, when thought arises, and right there the thought dissolves. And you're no longer bound by the thought. And then actually you'll glimpse as well as recognize this nameless, non-material, inexpressible, not thin, not even mind, but the, this groundless ground of yourself. And there you'll find your original purity, and then immediately there's liberation right there. Because all mind is not the samsara. The mind is not endless in that every moment, simply looking for the origin of your thought. How simple it is. This method works if you are totally willing not to set yourself free. Sounds strange, doesn't it? <laughs> this is a very strange spiritual message. <laughs> Usually we are encouraged to set ourselves free. This time I'm telling you, never try to set yourself free. And if you are sure about it, and then yes, this method will work. Otherwise, this method would not work. Yes, this method is totally uh, strange. It's almost a sound too simple uh, to look for the root of uh, your thoughts, origin of thought. Nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. But if you are actually ready to be free from all struggles, not to set yourself free, but free from all struggles, all forms of delusions, if you are ready to be free and ready to be who you are, which is pure awareness, you are the pure awareness. And this notion that you are pure awareness is not actually a doctrine. If it is doctrine, then it would be partial, would belong to either Hinduism 
of Buddhism or Christianity. This is not doctrine because this is a truth expressed by in all spiritual traditions. It is a clear evidence that this truth is the only truth, which is that you are already pure awareness. I remember years ago, come across a beautiful verse in one of the ancient Hindu sutras. I even forget the name because the name was in Sanskrit. But I remember a verse because that verse resembles the Buddhist teachings. The verse says, I am the pure awareness. Yesterday, I was bewildered, and today I am free. And in the same way, the Buddhism teaches that you are pure awareness. It is said in one of the Mahayana Sutras, mind has no mind, mind is luminous. Mind has no mind, and mind is luminous. It means that the very nature of your mind, the very ground of your being is actually luminous, pure, intrinsically pure awareness. You are actually pure awareness. So how can you realize that you are this pure awareness? Pure awareness without a name, without birth, without a death, without any uh, suffering, it's inexpressible truth <clears throat> of course there's no uh, logic or reason I can use to convince you that you are pure awareness because this is not uh, logical. What you're hearing is not uh, logical. It's totally illogical. Hmm? Totally illogical, isn't it? When I tell you that you're pure awareness, it's utterly illogical. But you are pure awareness, no matter how illogical this may sound. Let's pause for a few seconds.
thank you for the pause. Thank you. So now there's only not of mind can be transcended and undoed even in this very moment. When there's readiness, when there's readiness for absolute freedom and the method can be very simple. Just like the mindfulness meditation, the techniques that Buddha taught. Buddha taught unbelievably simple technique for the liberation. Buddha was uh, very much uh, the master of the simplicity. His methods are utterly simple. So simple that there's not so much to learn sometimes. Buddha taught a sadhana of simplicity. He taught a whole path of samarthi. Samarthi means remembrance. Samarthi can be translated as a remembrance, awareness, mindfulness, and vigilance. So Buddha taught the samarthi the remembrance of the breath. And if you simply just remember that you're breathing, that you're breathing out, and that you're breathing in, in this very moment, you can be liberated. Because there is such simple sadhana, sadhana of remembrance of breath, that not your mind can collapse and can do completely. And then what you're going to discover is is that nirvana which is already there, the nirvana, the eternal liberation that is already there even before you're born in this incarnation. So path is utterly simple. But when you're not ready, then you may try this practice, this samadhi, you will not experience liberation. So people ask me, how long do I have to practice meditation? <laughs> Some people ask me, how long do I have to practice this and that meditation? I don't teach so much any more meditation form. But I used to teach various meditation forms and methodology. And people used to ask me, how long should I practice this sadhana? And these days I run into uh, people who ask me, how long should I practice awareness? <laughs> how long should I practice mindfulness? And my answer is, you practice until the mindfulness liberates you. Huh? And there's a point that Whenever you practice mindfulness, you'll be free right there. You'll discover nirvana there. And you'll experience this total, spontaneous undoing the collapse of the mind's knot, which is really some sarasans, some sarasnata out there, 
Until that, I tell people, practice the meditation, work hard, get up early morning, and get a timer, and push yourself over limit. And soon, your mindfulness is no more ordinary mindfulness, becomes a supreme mindfulness. And soon, your awareness is no longer ordinary awareness, but the supreme awareness. Because every moment when you contemplate breath, or when you contemplate sensation in your body, or when you contemplate sound, you experience the highest liberation, the, this immediate collapse of a struggle, the spontaneous undoing of the mind is not. Thank you, everybody. I hope this made sense. <laughs> But that's all there is, actually. <laughs> There's not so much to learn beyond this. <laughs> so you better to be okay with what you have heard. <laughs> this is the truth, unfortunately, as well as fortunately. <laughs> Everything is just uh, just somebody making a big fuss out of nothing. <laughs> And life is truly amazing. Let's let's enjoy every delight that it offers. We love compassion and with bliss. So now I invite everybody to sing a song and celebrate the truth in which life and spirituality one. And the song is the Paranjana, uh, mantra of Paranjana Paramita. It goes like Om Gati Gati Parangati. Parasamgati Bodhisva. Let's sing it together a few times.
Practicing the dhyana, the meditation, shruta, the listening, the art of listening, chanda, the contemplation, us, and magic cause to awaken all living beings and to the blessings of the Dharma and above all. May it become cause for all beings to realize their true nature as Dharmakaya, the unborn Buddha. So nam di tamche zikpa nyu tomni nyibi danam pamshika kirga namchi balong chukpa ye sabin soli dova dolvar Thank you, thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.